Yeah, it's been our privilege to be here. Just, I love seeing how God is just moving all over the globe. I mean, it's almost like He's up to something. (laughs) I I think this is the year of, of breakthrough for the body of Christ, where we really start stepping into our destiny. People who have been restricted by by poor self-images or allowing the past to hold them back. This is the year for freedom. This is the year for freedom. This is the year for freedom. I want you to say that. This is the year for freedom. I want you to say this after me as well. Say, say, God brought me here this morning. Because he believes in me. More than I believe in myself. He's preparing me for something bigger than I know. Something's happening in me this morning. It's going to increase, and I'll never be the same again. Amen. Wow, just what an honor to be here. Pete and Kim, thank you. We just uh, grown to love you guys and your heart and what you're carrying here and this house has uh, got something special on it. Just anybody else just love the worship today? Wow, wow! Thank you, Lord. Thank you. And I was just thinking, you know, um, as we were preparing for today, and just thinking, you know, who's asking the Lord, who's going to be, who's going to be there this morning? And He told me there's going to be great people there, Steve. There's going to be great people there. There's going to be people who um, that may not understand that, but but they're great. They're great in Him. You know, we said last night, yesterday. You know, um, pride doesn't mean you don't think you're great. Pride is thinking you're greater than somebody else, greater than other people. And God's put greatness in all of us. And I was thinking back of just some meetings that we've done. I remember in one meeting we did where uh, a lady was. Um, healed of 15 years of depression in one meeting. And, and I heard the Lord say, people this morning are getting healed of depression. There's people in the room getting healed of depression supernaturally. Uh, I remember another meeting where a, a lady came in who had been on a two-week drug binge, and she just was invited to church, and, and without anybody praying for her, she got delivered from drugs just by sitting in the meeting with no withdrawals. And she came up to us to a, a year later and tells us that that had happened. And, and just now she's actually went back to school and is a Christian counselor. I remember another meeting we were in where Wendy gave a prophetic word over somebody who said, you're a worship leader. He had never led worship. By the way, people are getting addicted. I mean, excuse me. Yeah, getting addicted to Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Lord, for helping me there. <laughs> People are getting delivered from addictive behaviors in this meeting. In this meeting. And uh, I was thinking, and when he gives the word about you're a worship leader, he had never led worship. The next year we go back to that same church. He's, he's, he's up there leading worship. Now, there's people in the room, you've never done something before. And, and, and there, there, there's a whole new season that's coming into your life where there's a whole aspect of what you didn't even realize was in you is going to start coming out. It's going to start coming out. 
And, and, and this, this, is the, this is the year of freedom. This is the year of breakthrough. Yay. Hearing those testimonies makes you realize what can happen in one service. I mean, we, we need to just imagine with God what's on his heart because he loves each one here. And he, he wants to pour out his pleasure and freedom. Um, I remember we had one service where we had a um, missionary come speak to our, our people where we were pastoring. And at the end, he said, anybody who feels called to the mission field, come forward. And we had a lady who said she really fought going up because she kept thinking, I, I want to be a missionary with all my heart, but nobody's going to send me to the mission field because I have an unsaved hud- husband and little kids. But God kept telling her, go forward, go forward. So she went forward and the missionary was about to pray for her and she just fell down on the ground and all we saw was her laughing for 30 minutes. And my husband, he's always curious to know what's going on. So as soon as she got up, he's like, what was going on? And she said, well, every time I had the thought, I can't be a missionary, I would uncontrollably laugh. (laughs) (laughs) And at that time, her job, she worked for CareNet Pregnancy Center, which is a pro-life, you know, um, alternative to abortion. And soon after that, she got promoted in her job, and they started sending her to different countries to preach about the sanctity of life. And she said about the second country in, she realized, I'm a missionary. (laughs) She went to 12 different countries. I mean, that's our God. We just have to stop taking these limitations off of him. That's a good word right there. By the way, there's people in the room. You're going to go to nations you never thought you would go to. And, 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 and just uh, we've been going after beliefs this, this weekend. And we, we love um, our ministries. We're a part of Bethel Church in Redding, California, and we have our own ministry called Igniting Hope Ministries. And our, our mandate is to ignite hope wherever we go. There are no hopeless circumstances. There's only hopeless people. And, and once people get true hope, circumstances can't stay the same. Hope is an unstoppable force. If something's going to change, somebody is hoping. Somebody's becoming unreasonably optimistic. <laughs> uh, our influence level is determined largely by our hope level. He who has the most hope is the most influence. And so we've been going after beliefs because hope, hope is the fruit of having good beliefs. The more truth we believe is the more hope we'll have. The more lies we believe in our life is the less hope we'll have. Jesus said in John 8, 32, the truth will make you free. And and you first start getting free on the inside by believing truth. Because hope is the beginning of getting free on the inside. And then we start getting free on the outside. We, we, we get saved by believing in Jesus. We get free by believing like Jesus. 
And so once we've given our hearts to the Lord, once we've surrendered, once we've we've given him, then the next stage is to uh, is to actually start believing truth. We believe in the truth. Jesus is the truth. But there's truths related to life that as we begin to believe them, that that's going to bring a freedom. But increased hope is the evidence that we're starting to believe truth. Yeah, and when we say the word hope, we're not talking about, oh, I hope so. We're talking about a confident expectation that good is coming based on the goodness and promises of God. And and faith and hope aren't blind. The reason Christians are supposed to have faith and hope is because they can see something nobody else can see. Hmm. It's based on, on what we've seen. Of God, you know, I, I like to tell, um, I, I do a guest speaking thing in um, one of the loving the word classes at Bethel, and I like to tell people if the word of God hasn't changed your view of reality, you haven't read it correctly. It's supposed to change our view of reality so that we can see the unseen realm, the goodness of God, that confident expectation that things can't stay the same. Because Christ is in me and he has sent us to, you know, to minister to the people. And if he sent us, then he's equipped us. You know, I... I really believe when it says that the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you. I really believe he dwells in you because he wants to manifest through you. You know, Holy Spirit doesn't live in you because he needs a home. (laughs) He's in there for the exact same reason why demons like to inhabit people. Ooh. (laughs) I read that scripture once where the seven sons of Sceva tried to cast out demons out of one man. And that one man beat these guys up, stripped them naked, and chased them out of his house. And I used to think, oh yeah, demon-possessed people are powerful. Until one day I was reading it and God said, well, Wendy, if one man possessed of demons can do that, what can one man possessed by God do? I had just been focusing on the wrong thing. Because <laughs> greater is he that is in us than he that's in the world. Yeah, and what we, what we believe, uh, current beliefs create future experience. So Romans 12, 2 says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So whatever I renew my mind with today, whether it's lies or truth, my future will be transformed to. Say that again. You want me to say that again? All right. Whatever we renew our minds with today, whether lies or truth, our future will be transformed to. Now, so like if I renew my mind with the truth that I lay hands on the sick and they recover, which is in Scripture. If I renew my mind with that, I'll transform my future into laying hands on the sick and they will recover. It'll work for everybody. If I renew my mind with the truth that I influence nations, according to Matthew 28, where Jesus says, go into all the world 
If I conclude, but that, that I, I've, I've got grace to do that. And I renew my mind with the truth that I influence nations powerfully. I'll transform my future in influencing nations powerfully. Or if I renew my mind with the lie, nobody likes me. I like to laugh at lies. Let's just laugh at that. <laughs> nobody likes me. <laughs> if I renew my mind with the lie that nobody likes me or that I'm a victim of other people's perceptions of me. And if I renew my mind with that, then I'll actually transform my future into more relationship challenges. And so what we believe is so crucial to what we will experience. Nobody's past can stop their future, but current beliefs can. The past in itself does not have the power to block a great purpose for our lives, no matter what has happened in our life. But current beliefs do. The conclusions that we made based on the past, that in itself can hold the power to restrict what we will experience. Yeah, I I think it's interesting that whatever we renew our mind with, we start making it an identity. You know, if, if you continually rehearse a failure that you had, eventually you make that into an identity that I'm a failure. If you rehearse something shameful that you did or was done to you, eventually you start making it an identity that I'm shameful. But God's word says we're, we're supposed to rehearse whatsoever things are good and pure. We're supposed to rehearse the testimonies of God. Because renewing the mind doesn't come from just reading the word. It comes from rehearsing the word. Wow. Going over and over and over until we actually build strongholds in our thinking that this is who I am. You know, for a long time, I rehearsed this thought that I would never change. I couldn't change. Because I I felt like I had experiential proof that I wasn't changing. Until I just decided, okay, I'm no longer going to live my life based on my experience. I'm going to live my life based on the word of God. That says, I'm a whole new creation. I, how can I be the same when I'm, I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live? You know, we, we can't continually challenge the word of God with our experience. You can either get your identity from experience or God. And there comes that point where you just decide, okay, I'm going, you know, when it talks about, um, in, in, um, Second Corinthians 10, where it talks about tearing down strongholds and taking every thought captive. I remember reading that once and I realized the word captive implies there's warfare. And I realized the reason we have to take our thoughts captive is because they don't want to go. <laughs> Can you take the thought captive that your prayers are ineffective? Can you take the thought captive that you're inadequate, you're shy? 
And part of the reason we have to take it captive is because we have emotions attached to those belief systems that make it feel true. And when I was talking to God about, you know, how it feels so true, and he said, well, feelings don't validate truth. A lot of times, you know, I just want you to validate my feelings. Well, why? If they're not based on truth, why do you want to validate them? I mean, sure, we can get hurt, but we don't want to get stuck in the hurt by giving, you know, permission. Instead, we have to find a truth that overcomes the hurt and the pain. And I'm not, you know... I hope I'm not sounding not compassionate, but I used to be in bondage to my emotions. They ruled my life. I think God gives us emotions, but not to rule. He said, emotions don't validate truth. They just validate what you believe. Wow. And everything you believe is not true. Ooh. I have a little plaque in our house that says, don't believe everything you think. (laughs) (laughs) Why don't you just turn to your neighbor and say, I think this message is just for you. (laughs) 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 There's a lot we could say. By the way, Wendy's writing a book. She's finished it. It's called Victorious Emotions, and it's going to be coming out in about a month. You can find out more about our ministry at ignitinghope.com, ignitinghope.com. Sign up for our newsletter there, and you will be able to uh, hear uh, more about what we're doing, about the type of things we're teaching on. We have got some books in the back as well. Um, And just we're we're going to share today um, three life-changing beliefs. Three things to actually renew your mind with. And um, there are powerful truths that have helped impact our lives. Now, one of the things we like to do is we like to laugh. Now, how many of you know God invented laughter? Now, one of the laughter is a powerful spiritual weapon that helps break off the absurdity of getting our beliefs from our past experience and our feelings. And so we, we use laughter, and I don't have a lot of time to teach on it today. i got a book back there called Let's Just Laugh at That that gives the foundation for this. I've got a book, Let's Just Laugh at That, for kids that helps children just break off lies that are being believed as well. But just for the sake of getting us going on this, uh, what I want to do is I just want to share some of the um, absurd things that we believe based on feelings and past experience. And I'm going to share lies that I just, after I share each lie, I would like you to just laugh and do an experiment. All right? Now, I'd like you just to laugh even a little louder than you were planning to laugh. All right. <clears throat> Let, let's, let's just start with, with this basic lie uh, and laugh at it. God will not provide for your needs in the future. <laughs> These guys in the UK, I mean, they they know how to laugh here. Wow. Because his ability to provide for your needs is dependent on how the economy is doing. 
Or who's elected? How about let, let's laugh at this lie? <clears throat> God loves you, but He really doesn't like you. <laughs> he doesn't really like you because he's so disappointed in you. <laughs> yeah, he's just totally shocked at how you turned out. He's actually he's just about had enough of you. <laughs> Here's a here's a lie that I camped in for about a decade. There is something uniquely wrong with you. <laughs> oh, but it feels so true. Feel and if it feels that true, it's got to be true. Let's laugh at that. If something feels really, really, really true, it it automatically means it is true. <laughs> Here's another famous lie a lot of people have: Your spouse will never change. <laughs> uh, or your kids will never change. <laughs> There were some people laughing too hard on that. On one. I, mean, I think I think there was. I'm not sure how to interpret that. And, and then one of the devil's all-time favorite lies: laughter in the church is from the devil. Ha <laughs> Now, when you actually start bringing in uh, laughter into breaking off bad beliefs, it actually helps it get fun. It actually takes the heaviness. Oh, man, I'm a mess. I just got so many lies. This preacher from America says, I, I have got a lot of issues. <laughs> All right, so here's what we're going to do. Uh, Romans 12, 2, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So here's three things to renew your mind with. Three great truths that Wendy and I love and we'll, um, and we'll share them with you. The first one is this, is, is there is always a solution. Why don't you say that? There is a say it again. There is a say it louder. There is a now that's a powerful truth that those who believe there's always a solution will always have a solution. That's the way that thing works. They'll always have a solution. Those who believe they have solutions will have solutions. Now, it comes, there's two great verses. There's many others that support it, but I'll say two. One is James 1.5. If any man lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives generously without finding fault, and it will be given to him. So if any man lacks wisdom, ideas, solutions, doesn't know what to do, ask God and he, it will be given to him. It will be. It, it, we just be. As we believe it's going to be given, it will be given. 
And then in First uh, uh, Corinthians ten thirteen, it says, "No temptation has come upon you, or no trial." Some versions say, "No trials come upon you, except which is common to man." And God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you can bear, but with the temptation will provide the way of escape that you may be able to bear up under it. So whatever happens, it's not going to be too much for us to handle. And there will be a way of escape that will be there that will help us bear up under it. Because we know we may not know what the way of escape is, but we know it's there. And that helps us to be able to handle whatever happens. I had noticed in my life that a lot of times when I was asking God for a solution, I had no faith for it because I really didn't believe there was one. You ever done that? You're like panicking, you're full of anxiety and stress, and you're like, God. And it's like you hear nothing. And the reason you hear nothing is because you don't expect anything. You know, we actually have to believe there is a solution to hear what it is. Because then we start looking, and God can start pointing it out. Because they've actually. Um, discovered that if your brain doesn't believe there's a solution, it won't look for one. It will feel like you, you will emotionally feel like you're looking for it, but your brain actually is not going through any possibilities because it doesn't think there is a possibility. And then God is kind of weird anyway because we keep thinking that his solution is something natural when his solutions are really weird. <laughs> <laughs> you know, oh, you're thirsty. See that rock? Hit it. <laughs> you know, the waters are bitter. Oh, throw a limb in there. You know, a tree limb. That'll help. You did. You need a pathway through the wilderness. See the Red Sea? There's your path. It's just that his solutions aren't always our solutions. But we have to start, you know, the reason he tells us that the kingdom is at hand is because, you know, if you have a picture of a blind person in a room and you tell them there's a Kleenex box at hand and they need a Kleenex, they're going to have to trust because they can't see the box. Tissue box. We call them Kleenex because the brand name. I don't know what you guys call them here. Tissues. So, (laughs) whatever. So the point is, is that sometimes we have to reach out in faith at the voice saying, reach your hand out to your left. Hmm. It's at hand. Whoa. That's that's your answer. Someone just go, hmm. Hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so you could be a million dollars in debt today, there's a solution. Your family could have just blown apart this week, there's a solution. You could have got falsely accused of something, there's a solution. You know, you, you just there, there's a situation you just don't know what to do about, there's a there's a solution. And and it's a powerful thing to actually just believe it. 
Now, we're like you, you know, we're called, the Bible says we're, we're to live above and not beneath, but we have things happen to us that look bigger than God, and when they look bigger than God, then we go beneath. Battling discouragement, battling, you know, hopelessness, whatever, whether we stay there five minutes, five hours, five days, the moment one of us says, there's always a solution, we start to flip, start to get back on top. Oh, that's right. <laughs> yeah, that's right. There is a solution. And, and you know, just your brain's kind of like this um, the search engine. Once you believe there's a solution, it starts to it starts to see things that it hadn't seen before. Yeah. And sometimes, you know, we can start getting hopeless about it. And there have been different things in my life that I kind of felt like, but God, you know. Let's be real. There really are some things that are hopeless, right? And he said, well, you have permission to be hopeless about anything I'm hopeless about. <laughs> He's not called the God of all hope for nothing. <laughs> yeah, and I felt like God wanted me to share a, a, a testimony. of I had a family member that I felt hopeless about. I felt like there was no solution. She had been so addicted to drugs for so long and she was homeless her kids have been taken away from her and you know you just start getting that feeling of there's no way she could ever get saved I don't even know if she's mentally cognizant enough to get saved until one day she called me and said Aunt Wendy I accepted Jesus and I'm like how? (laughs) (laughs) I mean (laughs) (laughs) literally it's like how? And she said, well, I was sitting on a bench waiting for the bus, and I went into a trance and met Jesus. Like, wow. Wow. The reason I was hopeless is that I hadn't factored trances in. You know, that, if I'd have factored trances in, I probably would have had more hope for her. It's just, we have to realize God's supernatural. That's why he can be full of hope. So I want you to think of a situation in your life where there seems to be no solution right now. Just kind of get that in, in your mind. And, um, and then here's what we're going to do. Um, let's laugh at this lie. There actually is no solution for that situation. <laughs> uh, yeah, God doesn't know what to do about your situation. Yeah. God is just, he's up there, you know, he's like, we don't know what to do about that. <laughs> All right, so that's number one. There, there, there is always a solution. We just release that into your spirits. That that thing will just, uh, uh, we, I use that all the time. And it just, it just helps break off bad beliefs. You can't think a lie when you're speaking the truth. Actually, I, I, I saw in my spirit that I felt like we we're supposed to picture something that we felt hopeless about. And then we're going to declare in our mind's eye over it, there is a solution. So picture something you feel. It, it could be, I'll never get out of debt. It could be, I'll never change. You know, whatever it is, picture it in your mind's eye. And then on the count of three, I want you to declare with authority towards it 
there is a solution. So one, two, three. There, there is, is a, a solution. solution. Wow. That was powerful. All right. Number two is uh, a second life-changing belief is this is I will thrive no matter what happens. I will thrive no matter what happens. Say that. Say it again. Say it louder. Now here's the amazing thing. Those who believe they'll thrive no matter what happens will thrive no matter what happens. I mean, that's just kind of, kind of an amazing thing. <laughs> it comes from Philippians 4.13 where Paul said, what's he say? I can do some things. Oh, all things. Thank you. Through Christ who strengthens me. The context of that is verses 11 and 12 is Paul basically says, whether I'm abounding or abased, whether I've got plenty or little, I've learned to be content. I've learned to be inwardly successful. Uh, I can do all things. So his context of doing all things, he says, no matter what happens, uh, uh, I'm going to I'm going to thrive. No matter what happens, I'll thrive. You can put me in jail. I'll thrive. I'll thrive as a millionaire. I'll thrive if everybody likes me. I'll thrive if nobody likes me. I'll thrive if the person I want get, to get elected gets elected. I'll thrive if the person I didn't want to get elected gets elected. I'll thrive. doesn't matter. I'm going to do everything I can to make things better. But no matter what happens, I'll thrive. And it's a, it's a bottom line belief system. Because if we don't believe that, if we, if we believe that we need a, a, a specific set of circumstances, if we're waiting to thrive... If we're waiting to thrive, we'll probably never thrive. Because it, 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 it's, a, it's, a, it's a delusion to think that if everything lines up, if I've got enough money, if, if, you know, if everybody you know, in my life starts doing what I think they should be doing. Let's laugh at that, by the way. Uh, <laughs> you know, uh, if leaders over me are, are doing what I think they should be doing. Let's laugh at that. Uh-huh. You know, um, because... Thriving is, is a decision that we have to make at some point in our lives. There has, there, the, there, there's never a convenient time to thrive. And so it has to be, there has to be a point where we enter into where we have the same set of circumstances that are screaming at us, this is not a good time to thrive. <laughs> you need to wait. <laughs> There has to come a time where we say, well, you know what? No, I can do all things. I don't know how, I don't know what, but I I know I can thrive now. Just turn to your neighbor and say, you you can thrive now. I think one of the the lies that prevents us from thriving sometimes is sometimes we start thinking that our circumstances define us rather than that we define our circumstances. Wow. You know, you take Joseph, for instance. He gets this word about who he is, that he's a ruler. He gets this dream. He feels this call in his life that he's called to be a ruler. And the next thing that happens is he becomes a slave. And if he would have allowed his title of slave to define him, he would never have hit his destiny. 
Instead, he allowed who he believed his what, who he believed he was to define his circumstances and he became the ruler of all the slaves in that household. And when he was thrown into prison, again, being a prisoner didn't define him. Who God said he was defined him. And he became the ruler of all the prisoners. And so instead of bowing down to circumstances, we should be, you know, taking our rightful place of dominion that God's given us. And who we are is supposed to begin to define our outer world. But to do that, we have to be so convinced that what we carry has nothing to do with what's happening to us. Because our identity doesn't come from experience. It comes from what you're created to do. Wow. And we have to stand in faith so that we can thrive from that position. You know, I... I don't know why I just was reminded of this, but we had a speaker at Bethel once that he was talking about how a lot of people think that God created Adam and Eve and then he sent the devil to the earth to torment and test us. And he said that's so backwards. Satan was actually cast down to the earth and then God created Adam and Eve to take dominion over him. We were his punishment. <laughs> <laughs> Yay! Yeah. He said, go and take dominion. You know, and you'll know you're living from your spirit when you have a sense of dominion. Because your born again spirit has that same call on its life. There will be a sense of authority. I'm not a victim to circumstances. I thrive. Something's happening to someone here this morning. I just see just a fire of God getting in somebody's heart and somebody is just, there's this thing just getting planted in you that's just going to... You were supposed to be here today. You were supposed to be here today. Yeah, I mean, none of us got ideal circumstances. Let's just laugh at that. (laughs) All of us have got things we don't like. What's going on? (laughs) You know, we have a grandson, our oldest, his name's Caden. He's going to be 11 next month. When he was about three, we were in a park. We were walking. We We were getting close to the cars. His family was up there. Wendy was up there. I was here. He was slow in the trail behind me. So I needed to motivate Caden. So I said, hey, Caden, let's race. No movement. (laughs) So I knew I needed to turn my motivation up a notch. And I said this, hey, Caden, I'm winning. (laughs) 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 I'm winning. (laughs) And and without him, he didn't move at all. He just looked up at me and he said, I'm winning too. (laughs) I said, wow, this guy's in last place and he thinks he's a winner. (laughs) He thinks he's a winner. Well, he was a winner because he wasn't in the same race I was in. He was, he was in the race of three-year-olds, what they do. Check out rocks. 
there's a bird. He was winning. Some of us think we're losing because we don't know what race we're in. We think we're in the race of being successful in the world. Let's laugh at that. Ha, ha, ha. God always makes people successful on the inside when they don't look successful on the outside. God's method of great influence is to make you successful on the inside when you feel like a failure, when things are telling you you're a failure on the outside. It's it's 3 John verse 2. It says, Beloved, I pray that you uh, be in health and prosper in all things, even as your soul prospers. So soul prosperity, thriving, precedes greater health and prospering in all things. We just say thank you, Lord, for powerful thrivers. I want you to say, I'm winning too. too. All right, the last um, life-changing belief is this, is my past is always turned to good. Say that. Say it again. My boss is Say it louder. My boss is now, I know the devil, he doesn't like a lot of verses. But there's one he really doesn't like. Romans 8, 28. And all things work together for good for those who love God and are the called according to his purpose. How many things? Now, I was thinking about the devil a while back, and I've come up with a good biography title for the devil. You want to hear it? Here's his biography title, It Backfired Again. (laughs) It backfired again. (laughs) Here's the the regular story in hell. We don't have to worry about her anymore. Yep, it's all over. Then six months later, boom! A bomb hits hell. What was that? Uh, Well, Mr. Devil, (laughs) you remember the one we said we don't have to worry about? (laughs) Remember when you said it's all over? Well, it's not all over. That thing that actually happened has turned out for good. That person stronger than ever, and that bomb that just hit us was from her. Mr. Devil, it was another backfire. (laughs) <laughs> you know, we had been teaching on this in one of our, I can't remember now if it was a second year or third year student, said something like, what if the things in your past that you thought disqualified you are the very things that qualify you? Because, you know, you, your past isn't the problem. It's the belief system's and conclusions you made about yourself when the past happened. What if you came up with a different conclusion? Hmm. Can we do that? (laughs) (laughs) Maybe instead of feeling like you deserved that, maybe your conclusion should be, I'm an overcomer. Look what I've overcome. Mm -hmm. I'm still alive and I'm still in the game. I had a friend who was horribly abused as a child and sometimes we would drive by the house where she grew up and she would sense this big shame coming over her every time we drove by. 
And so for a couple of years, I'd just been helping her find her real identity and stuff. And I knew it had worked when one day we were driving by her house and she began to weep and she said, God just told me that house isn't a remembrance of my shame. It's my trophy of what I've overcome. Wow. Yay. You know, God is so good at turning evil into good that people think that he sent the evil. That's how good he is. It doesn't matter what has happened or what you've done. God can turn it for good. What a great truth. All things work together for good. When we just when we surrender and we reaffirm our love for the Lord, I mean, it, it, it just again whether it's we've chosen to do something or something happened to us, it's all things. Or if it's even some life circumstances that you're in right now that you wish you weren't in, even those circumstances are working together for good in our lives. Now, most people's greatest ministry comes from something they've overcome. Most people's greatest anointing comes from something they struggled with. I used to struggle with uh, discouragement and hopelessness a lot. I could just hear the devil, you know, hey, let's just pour on more lies on Steve. Let's just tell him that he's a failure and that. The best he can hope for is just, you know, just, you know, just surviving and people don't like him. They just pretend to like him. And uh, let's just tell him he really he really believes that when he's especially when he's tired, that lie, there's something uniquely wrong with him. Let's just let's just pour that thing on him. And by the way, let's just laugh at all that. <laughs> let's just let's just take him out. Yeah, that guy, he's, yeah, and then, but one day, I said, I'm not taking this anymore. I'm not taking, by the way, I just see that happening to people in this room. I see, I, I see it. People here, you've had this low grade dripping faucet in the back of your spirit of, you know, you're, you're a failure. You're just unworthy. You're, you know, let's just laugh at all that. <laughs> something, something is rising up. Something is rising up today. And we just say, thank you, Lord. I mean, God, God, even, even today, there's people, your current struggle is not just about you. Your current struggle is not just about you. It's about the people that you're going to reach through that. I asked the Lord, I said, Lord, who's here today? He said, there's great people here today. There's great people. And, and, and some of them, they'll know it yet. But they're going to know it. God's an equal opportunity God. 
I, I know we're running late, but I just felt like God really wanted me to share this, that when God started talking about um, be transformed by the renewing of your mind, we realized that sometimes it's a lot harder to sacrifice our beliefs than it is our time, our money, our dreams, or whatever, you know, most Christians are really good at, you know, presenting themselves as a living sacrifice to God, but they don't know how to sacrifice their belief systems mm. for transformation. Yeah. And I felt like what God wanted to do this morning is, is if there's anything that you feel has been um, imprisoning you or preventing you from stepping into your your destiny because of a past event, whether or events. Even if it's something like, nobody likes me, I can't uh, pray for the sick, I can't um, succeed, whatever it is, I felt like he wanted you to picture the belief system that you came up with because of some experience. And just in your mind's eye, put it on the altar. Sacrifice it to God. Thank you, Lord. And then in replace, allow Holy Spirit to give you your true identity. And it's probably the very opposite of what you thought it was. So, Father, we just thank you. Thank you, Father. That we can sacrifice on the altar belief systems that have held us in our past and kept the past from from being in your hands so you could turn it into good. And we just accept by faith the true identity and destiny of who we are. We are not slaves and prisoners. We are sons and daughters, wholly beloved and perfected in you. Thank you. And I just pray that each one here will begin to prosper in their soul. Yes, Lord. Thank you. Begin to take dominion. Thank you, Father. And to define themselves through the word of God instead of their experience in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. There is always a solution. I will thrive no matter what happens. My past is always turned to good. I want you to just take one moment here and I want you to just, which, just think which one of those three spoke to you the most. And then I just want you to take a moment, if you've got a neighbor by you, a loved one, I want you to just share that with them. Share which one spoke to you the most. And, and just, I believe, as you do that, there's just going to be a reinforcement of that. So just take a moment. Which, if you don't have someone by you, just talk to yourself. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. Thank you what you've been doing in marriages today. Thank you what you're doing in families. Thank you, Lord. All right. If you, um, by the way, we're, we're going to be ministering tonight, and tonight is going to be powerful. I mean, I can't wait for tonight. Something's going to happen tonight. If you weren't planning on being here and you can be here, uh, come tonight. It's going to be a great meeting. If you receive the word today, say, I receive it. I'll never be the same again. Something happened in me. It's going to increase. It's going to bear much fruit. And it's going to influence the nations.
Amen. Give God thanks. Give Him praise. You're so good.